Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby, and North Florida Neighborhood is all about getting to know our neighbors and hearing what really cool stuff they're doing with us and for us and our community. And today, the neighbor we get to chat with is Gail Patton. She's CEO for the Hubbard House. Gail, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, Gail, now give me a rundown on what the Hubbard House is all about. Well, the Hubbard House is a nonprofit that provides safety and services to victims of domestic violence violence Mm -hmm. and their families. And we are actually recognizing our 45th year in operation uh, in October, yes. And we have been saving lives and changing lives for that long. And so we do many things from providing safe shelter to being in court with people to helping people with rent assistance to having counseling, advocacy, safety planning. We also have a thrift store that people can shop up that will help support Hubbard House as well. So there are just so many things that we do. And we do community education out into um, different groups out in the community all the time. We go to you know, fairs where you can set up a booth and people can learn more about us. We are part of the community and the community is part of us. So Gail, you guys have been around for 45 years. Congratulations, happy birthday. So let's start <laughs> with what it looks like for you to help serve these people in domestic abusive relationships. Typically, initially, a person will call our hotline, and we have a 24-hour hotline, and I want to give that number. It's 904-354-3114, or they can do a 24-hour text line, 904-210-3698. A person can call that line at any time of the day, any day of the year, and they don't even have to tell us their real name, because when people make that first call, that's really one of the bravest things that they can do, Mm. and they can call and talk to the person on the phone about what's going on with their situation. We aren't there to make them do anything. We're there to listen, give them support, and let them know what their options are, and for some people who call in, the support is they just want to know what we can do. So we go through the different services that we have and talk with them about that. And then for some people, they are in immediate danger and they need shelter. Mm -hmm. And so then our staff works with them to get them into safe shelter. Or if they need other things, they refer them to those appropriate programs that we have. But it typically happens with a call to that hotline. Now, also, some people during regular business hours during the week can walk in to our outreach center. Our outreach center is not a confidential location. In fact, it's co-located with our thrift store. And you can just walk in. You don't have to have an appointment from 10 to 4.30 and meet with somebody to learn about what is going on as far as their relationship and so we can let you know what services you have because some people may want to talk in person rather than over a phone. It's really up to what that person wants. And so, Gail, you've said a couple of times what services you have. So can you go in depth and in detail on what those services you provide are? Well, first and foremost, we have our emergency shelter because that is where people who are in the most danger come. And it's a temporary shelter, and people can usually stay an average of six to eight weeks. And during that time, we work with a person about what do they want for their future when they leave here. For some people, they're just wanting to connect with us, um, heal from the trauma, and then decide their next steps. And those next steps can be getting an injunction for protection, and we have attorneys to help with that. That's another one of our programs. It may mean, look, I can't afford to um, live on my own, and I don't know how to get housing. So we help them get housing and see if they qualify for housing assistance. For some people, they come into shelter, and they're like, if I can just get to my family in California or wherever they may live, and then we help them make that move. So that um, shelter when they come into shelter, there are many services available. In addition to what I just said, people can get counseling if they choose to. Their children can get counseling. We help with education for children as well as adults, and we help people find jobs uh, too. So coming into shelter can help you access all those services. Now, let's say a person doesn't want to come into shelter. Mm 
but they need those services. That's when they could go to our outreach center, and they still can get themselves and their kids connected with counseling, connected with career planning, connected with housing assistance, support groups, and counseling. And they can do that without even being in shelter, too. And a lot of people don't know that, but that's an option there. So it's really up to where the person is and what they're doing. And like I said, not only do we provide services for adults, but we also provide it for the children as well. We have individual counseling as well as group counseling for adults and children. And so part of that is that our advocates and we have advocates located not only in shelter and our outreach program but we have advocates located at the courthouse in addition to our attorneys located at the courthouse we have um, advocates located with department and children and family because there are families that are going there for help and there's domestic violence in their family so they need our support as well And then in addition to the direct services that we do with people of the ones I've described, we also go out into the community to provide community education and training for community groups or professional groups. It's not uncommon for us to go into churches or to service groups or just a group of people saying we want to learn more about domestic violence. We go into businesses and we do it for different professionals as well. And then we have our volunteer program, which is really, really essential because 45 years ago when Hubbard House started, mm. it started 100% with volunteers. Wow. People who saw the need in the community and said, we need to do something. And they started Hubbard House. And to this day, we still use volunteers to help save and change people's lives. And so volunteers can volunteer wherever they feel comfortable. If they're like, yes, I want to work directly with clients, they can work directly with clients. And if they go to our website, hubbardhouse.org, they can find out the process you go in order to work directly with clients. Some people are like, I don't want to volunteer with clients per se, because for whatever reason, but I would like to do some volunteering in admin. We take volunteers for that, too. We have volunteers who go set out our booths and meet the public and greet them. There are ambassadors out in the community. And we have volunteers who come in in groups and do do maintenance around the lawn for us or help us paint a room or cleaning in the building. There, you know, it's a building this large, and we're a 113-bed facility and typically wow. have more over than that. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done here and at the Outreach Center. So we just have a lot of opportunities. And, of course, anybody who wants to volunteer by doing fundraisers or going on our website and finding out the things we need in shelter and doing drives for food and other donations can do that as well. So just a lot of programs where people can step in and help and help us step in and help. Mm. What does it look like for us to step in and help? Because you basically have everything covered, it looks like. So what can the neighbors do? Well, neighbors can, first of all, and and they're the most important part of this process, because a victim oftentimes feels like they won't be believed. Mm. They've been isolated typically, and they don't know where to go for help, or they're afraid to go for help. So if a neighbor or a friend comes to you, the very first thing you can do is be that friend. Be that listening ear. Uh, Believe what they're telling you. And it might be hard in some instances if you know the abuser, because oftentimes abusers will very much so be one person outside of the house Mm -hmm. and then be another person inside of the house. So listen to them and hear what they have to say. And then if they don't know about Hubbard House, maybe if they came over to your house to talk, let them go online and look at the resources we have. Or let them make a call from your phone to our Hubbard House hotline in order to get help. Because it might be a little dangerous for them to call from their phone if the abuser tracks that. Or if they need a ride going to Hubbard House Outreach Center, maybe you could help with that ride. There are just so many things, but the most important thing is that a person will probably reach out to you before us, and Mm -hmm. so connecting them with us and being that friend and being that support through the whole process, that is just the thing that will make the world of difference for somebody. And Gail, what are maybe some signs that somebody we know and love is in an abusive relationship? Well, there are the obvious signs that when you think of physical abuse, you Mm -hmm. think of, you know, bruising, um, broken bones, things like that, 
black eyes and the story that's told to you just doesn't make sense or you see it happen a lot and and oftentimes the survivor has been told by the abuser said if you tell anybody I'm it's going to be worse or I'm going to hurt the kids or I'm going to hurt your whole family so oftentimes they will tell stories as a strategy to try to be safe and one of the stories they often tell is you know I bumped into the wall or I opened a door or something that if you hear somebody saying that often nobody is that clumsy honestly so that would perk your ears up to say wait a minute something's going on or even if the story they tell you you think how could how could that happen you know with the story that's told so that's one sign the other thing to look at is is the person you know being isolated from family and friends so you know does she have to report in all the time? Is the person, the partner, always wanting to know where that person is, what that person's doing, has to approve all their friends, doesn't let them go do things on their own, always speaks up for them when um, they're in conversations with others, never lets them speak for themselves, mm. um, just kind of um, dominating the conversation, or somebody who puts somebody down all the time in public or yells or screams at them in public. I mean, all of these um, except for the physical abuse, in and by themselves might not lead to physical abuse or make you think there's physical abuse, but there might be something there. And so just looking at all those different signs, but it is just really not unusual for an abuser to try to isolate a victim as much as possible because if they can get them where they don't have anybody to depend on, they won't have the means to leave. So just looking at all of those signs... And then also, if you have somebody that you're concerned about, you, know, you also could go on to HubbardHouse.org, and we have tons of information on there of, you know, for friends and families, for employers, you know, understanding domestic violence, things like that, um, just for you to get more educated. And Gail, we hear all of these things and these signs, and we hear about these services, but how common is domestic abuse? Unfortunately, it's still very common. When you talk about, so we have, we see nearly 4,000 people a year. Wow. And those are the people that have come out and reported to us, right? Wow. But there are, you know, Justice Department's estimate that's really only about a quarter of the actual abuse that happens in homes. And, of course, Jacksonville has... Uh, police reports way above that. We do review every police report with our partners um, just to review and see who's in the most lethal situation to reach out to them, but it is underreported because of the fear, because of the uncertainty of the survivor, not knowing what will happen to them and the kids, and not knowing if there will be retribution from the abuser if they leave, and, and not knowing if people will believe them or not because I can guarantee an abuser has said to them more than once nobody will believe you nobody will help you nobody would want you but me that mm -hmm. is so common um, that we hear that from survivors that they hear this all the time so it's unfortunately it's still pretty prevalent. And again, I have the privilege of chatting with Gail Patton. She's the CEO for the Hubbard House. And the Hubbard House is celebrating 45 years of continuously serving our community. So, Gail, tell me how you guys are going to celebrate that. Well, we're con going to continue to do what we've always done, which <laughs> is offer these life-saving, life-changing services. In addition to that, uh, we're having our annual Barbara Ann Campbell Memorial Breakfast, which is on October 5th, and you can go to our website to find out how to participate in that. It is in person this year. And during that annual breakfast, you will hear stories from survivors, and we actually will have a video with some of the uh, original women who started Hubbard House and one of our longest uh, serving CEOs will also be on the video so we're going to celebrate and recognize it that way and then on October 31st which is Halloween at um, Clutho Park in Springfield there is going to be an outside uh, celebration it's free for everybody and we're doing that in Springfield because that's where the original Hubbard House started it's we're not there anymore but we started at Hubbard street in in springfield so the community is putting on a party 
for us and for all the community because, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, we couldn't do this without the community support. We're only here because the community cares so much about victims and their families. Well, Gail, how can we be a part of the celebration? What's it look like to go to the breakfast? Going to the breakfast, breakfast if you've never been, it's nothing you can imagine because to hear the stories of the survivor, of their strength and their courage, of where they were, what they experienced, and where they all are now is totally life-changing for anybody sitting in that audience. And so when you come to the breakfast, you'll get to see other people who are supporters of Hubbard House. You'll get to um, learn more about what we're doing. You'll hear those stories. And it starts at 7.30 and you're out by 9, you know, because we know people have to go to work and everything like that. So uh, go on our website. It'll tell you how to register, where to go. It's going to be at the Hyatt Hotel downtown. And we just look forward to people coming out and not only celebrating with us, but, you know, more importantly, learning about domestic violence, learning how you can help, and then hearing these amazing women talk about where they were and where they are now. And, Gail, as we learn how we can help What have you found to be the most common need for these people trying to get out of these abusive relationships? One of the biggest barriers to leaving an abusive relationship or staying out of an abusive relationship is finances. Mm. If they have been dependent on the abuser for housing and for other finances, then that can be very, very difficult to leave. And so having the ability to get out, get a job that pays a living wage, be able to get support with housing if you qualify, to be able to make those steps is one of the biggest things that people need. Now, the other thing that people always have when they leave is courage. Mm. I, I can't tell you how in awe I stand of survivors of domestic violence because they are the most courageous people I know and when they make that telephone call or when they come to our outreach center and you know say I need help that took a lot of courage and it took a lot of risk for them to do that and that's why we always want to be here to help survivors and over the past 45 years Gail just that you've been able to observe what kind of differences have you seen Well, there have been huge differences. So when Hubbard House first started 45 years ago, it started with a hotline and a small little house as a shelter. And now, as I said, you know, we have a 116-bed shelter. We have an outreach center and an outreach program. We are in different organizations assisting Hubbard House through its history of the different CEOs and board members that have, you know, been involved with Hubbard House have helped create laws within the state to better address the needs of survivors. Mm-hmm. So what started as let's just, you know, open a house for people to be safe has turned into an organization that provides full services not only to survivors and their family, but to the community as well educating them, letting them know how they can help, partnering with them in all these different venues. We also go out and do um, training with kids because, you know, kids need to know, teenagers, you know, dating violence, unfortunately, is on the rise. So we do training in high school and middle schools to let them know about signs to look out for and where they can get help. And so just um, really have bloomed from a shelter to this total wraparound services, trying to find out what all the needs are of survivors and how we can meet them. And most recently, meaning in the last few years, we have really focused on assisting with housing because, as I said earlier, not being able to have affordable housing is a real barrier. So we've partnered with local community nonprofits as well as the federal government and in order to do rental assistance and wraparound services. So, you know, moving from providing a shelter and a hotline to all of these extensive services, that's what's happened in 45 years. And every person who has walked through the door of Hubbard House, whether it's an employee, a volunteer, a board member, we wouldn't be where we were today where we are today without their support and without the community support. I mean, I can't say Mm -hmm. that enough. I think one of the things I'm most appreciative is the community being so supportive of our mission, so supportive of these families, helping them remain violence-free. It's really um, an honor to be able to be part of this work. How, How have you guys been able to be funded for this long and to succeed? We've been funded through many venues. Our biggest funding does come through the community. 
whether it's through our awareness and fundraising events, like the breakfast, you know, is one of our fundraising events, as well as an awareness event. In the spring, we have an annual walk that raises funds. We also just have amazing donors who donate to Hubbard House regularly. I mean, you can go online at hubbardhouse.org and mm. find out how how to give. And that... Um, Truly, every penny helps. And then, of course, we get some funding from the government as well as private foundations. So it's really a a quilt, so to speak, of funding strategies in order to keep the services going and for people to get what they need. And what is it that they need? I think it helps as people who give money. They always like to know, okay, what exactly is my money going towards? Well, your money goes to many things. Uh, first of all, we have to keep a 116-bed facility running, mm-hmm. which means think about your own house, what it takes oh, to yeah. keep your house going. And so, you know, funding pays for electricity, phones, food, health care, because we have people come in and do checkups for kids. We It also pays for if people come to us with literally the clothes on our, their backs, we help get mm-hmm. them all their personal hygiene supplies, everything you would use in your house, all the paper products, all the things you would use for laundry we would have here. We also, the funding goes to provide counseling for victims and their kids, and then as well as you know, attorneys to be able to represent them if they're getting an injunction for protection. We don't charge victims at all for the services we provide. So it's from those daily basic needs that we all need to getting that counseling, to helping them, you know, move out on their own finally. Just if you can think it, that's what that funding Mm -hmm. goes for. Uh, You know, it helps people. Well, Gail, tell me one more time what we have to look forward to this next year and as we celebrate 45 years of the Hubbard House. October 5th at the Hyatt downtown Jacksonville at 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. We have our annual Barbara Ann Campbell Memorial Breakfast where we're going to be celebrating our 45th year as well as listening to some amazing stories from survivors. And then if you go to our website, hubbardhouse.org, you'll be able to see when we're going to be doing our walk in the spring. And so that's something we're going to be doing. But I, don't let me forget the October 31st. That's a free event to the community at Clutho Park in Springfield where we're just doing a big thank you and celebration to Jacksonville for all the support they've given over the years. It's going to be a fun time. And it's, since it's on Halloween, people are welcome to wear <laughs> their costumes. And, Gail, where do we need to go if we are in need of help? If you need help, I would suggest you first call our hotline. Now, if you are in immediate danger in your house and you need to get out, call the police. I mean, obviously, they are the first responders to any immediate incident. But if you call our hotline at 904-354-3114 or text text our hotline at 904-210-3698, then you can get somebody at any time of the day to talk with you about what's going on. Also, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., you can walk into our Outreach Center, which is located at 6629 Beach Boulevard, right next door to our uh, to our thrift store. And you can walk in there and meet with somebody face-to-face in order to get help. So there are many avenues to reach out to Hubbard House to get help. And some people, sometimes their very first place they want to start is looking on our website mm. because, you know, that's how we learn anymore, right? So they can go to hubbardhouse.org. Just if a survivor goes to hubbardhouse.org, they need to be very careful that that can't be traced back to them on their computer. So they would either need to erase the history or go over to a friend's house or go to a library to look at it so that the abuser can't see what you've been looking for. Well, Gail, thank you so much for being such a great neighbor and for 45 years of just serving our community. Thank you, and thank you for spreading the word. Somebody listening to this, their life is going to change because of it. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week, and if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio.
The American Freedom Tour is coming to Jacksonville. I'm Dean Black, chairman of the Republican Party of Duval County, and it's time for Republicans to get motivated and defend freedom. Two historic days, Friday and Saturday, October 8th and 9th, come see Donald Trump Jr., Kaylee McEnany, Dan Bongino, Dinesh D'Souza, and many, many more. Get your tickets now at DuvalGOP.com. I will see you there. If you think vaccines alone will protect you from COVID-19, think again. More breakthrough cases of COVID variants show that vaccinated people are still vulnerable. To be safe, monitor regularly for fever as it's the leading sign of COVID-19. Use Exergen, the only thermometer scientifically proven to detect fever. Protect yourself and your family with the Exergen Temporal Scanner, exergen.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. Panera believes in saying yes. Yes to clean, fresh ingredients. Yes to the new chicken sausage and pepperoni flatbread topped with rich mozzarella. Yes to delicious mac and cheese. Yes to putting it on a sandwich, creating the grilled mac and cheese sandwich. And yes to impromptu road trips to Sandwich, Illinois. Because that's living life to the flavor fullest. Get $1 delivery when you order on our app. Panera, live your yes. Pricing and product availability may vary. Visit PaneraBread.com. What if I told you you could save a baby's life for just $28? What's true? Preborn is a ministry doing just that with the help of people just like you by offering free ultrasound sessions to pregnant women and girls who might otherwise choose to end their pregnancy. We know that pregnant girls and women who can see their babies on ultrasound are far more likely to choose life. Your gift today can save babies' lives. Just $28 can give a mother who is abortion-minded the chance to see the truth of the baby that is growing inside her. $140 can do this for five girls and women. And a $15,000 gift will provide an ultrasound machine that will save lives for years to come. Whether you want to save one baby or five or hundreds, that opportunity is just a phone call or click away. Call 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or give online, preborn.org slash radio. Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby, and North Florida Neighborhood is all about getting to know our neighbors and our community and hearing what really cool stuff they're doing with us and for us. And today, the neighbor we get to chat with is Barbara Thompson. She's a spokesperson with Florida Power and Light. Barbara, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, Barbara, give me a brief rundown on who Florida Power and Light is. Florida Power and Light is an electric utility company that serves about two-thirds of the state, uh, you know, offering electric services. And one reason why your services are so important right now is as we kind of kick into a different season, we need to learn how to better moderate our energy use and save money. Absolutely. Everyone is looking, you know, at their bottom line and looking for ways that they can save money, especially if it's just an easy thing to do, an easy switch, you know. So that's what we're here for. We have some tips that everyone can take advantage of. Okay, so you say easy thing to do. And in my mind, lowering my electricity bill is far from easy. Yeah, well, it it actually is. You have to make sure, first of all, that your major appliances are running as well as they can. For example, the air conditioner actually is up to 50% of your electric bill. So you want to make sure that it's running efficiently, you know, and easy things there are like changing out the filters once a month. They're making sure the filter's clean, keeping your inside doors open so the air can circulate efficiently through the house, you know, using blinds or curtains in the hottest part of the day to keep direct sunlight out. So those are a couple easy things you can do. What are some of the more difficult things we need to kind of be mindful of? Well, when you're making dinner, Use the smallest appliance possible. Oh. Cook several dishes at once. 
right? That may take some planning ahead. You know, make sure you're using the correct water level so you're not using more energy than you need to when you do a load of wash. Um, okay, and then one, one question, why do we need to cook all of our food at once? That's a great question. When you, the longer you have the oven on or the stovetop going, you're actually heating up the house. Mm. So the harder the air conditioner has to work then to cool you down. And if you cook several dishes at once, in, during that time period when the oven is on, you're, you know, killing more birds with one stone, as they say. Mm-hmm. Hurry up, get it off. And Barbara, what do you see is the main driver for a super high energy bill? The main driver for high energy bills is definitely the weather. Whether it's hot outside or cold outside, your heating and cooling has to work harder to keep you comfortable. In hot weather, even if you don't change your setting on the thermostat, the air conditioner has to work harder to get the humidity out of the air and to cool down the house. And now as we like slowly transition into fall, emphasis on slowly because it's still like 90 degrees out, what should we do and be mindful of in this next season? Well, as the temperature cools down, not when it's beautiful outside, when it is beautiful outside, I recommend opening the windows and taking advantage of the nice air. But when it gets colder, it's very important to be mindful of the fact that heating your house can often be more expensive than cooling. Oh. So don't raise the thermostat too much. You know, take it to where you're comfortable, but be mindful that it can be more expensive than cooling. And we're, we're kind of at the tail end of it right now, but it's just helpful information to know for next year. Um, but how can we remain prepared for hurricane season when it comes to our utilities? Well, it's very important to have a plan. Mm-hmm. That, I would say, is the most important thing. Make sure that you have a plan of what you need to have prepared in your household that you know where your family members are going to be and write it down so everyone is aware. Have a plan and follow your plan for hurricanes. And are there some threats that we might need to be aware of when it comes to hurricane season in our utilities? I, I'm not really aware of any. I, that's not really my area of expertise. Um, so I, I can't really speak to that. No, that that's okay. I think as Floridians, we kind of fly by the seat of our pants during hurricane season and try and figure it out. Absolutely. I do as well. And then, um, Barbara, one last thing. I know that Florida Power & Light is having a trivia game coming up. Can you kind of emphasize on that for us? Oh, yeah. The trivia game is a fun way to, you know, test your knowledge of energy-saving tips. And uh, we partnered with Cameo, which uses musicians to give out some of the questions. It's music-themed, so it's fun for everyone, fun for the whole family. You go through, you answer the questions, then we have a leaderboard, and uh, those that end up top 100 every two weeks receive prizes. So they're either music streaming um, gift cards or a Nest for the thermostat. Oh, whoa. And, yep, the game is available. Uh, The website is fplseniorsavings.com. And when does this start? The game is running now, and it it goes through November 2nd. So there's still time for people to take advantage and play the game. It's a fun way to learn new things. And how can we be a part of that? And do we have to be a member of FPL for it? You do have to be a member of FPL to claim the prize, but anyone can play. Just go to the website, fplseniorsavings.com. And then lastly, Barbara, to find out more ways and just to kind of refresh our brain of how to save money and moderate our energy use, especially as we're transitioning seasons, where can we find out that information? We have more tips, tools, and resources available on the website at fpl.com forward slash take control. Okay, well, Barbara, thank you so much and thank you for being such a great neighbor in our neighborhood. Thank you for having us. 
Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week. And if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio. Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby, and North Florida Neighborhood is all about getting to know our neighbors and just hearing what really cool stuff they're doing with us and for us in our community. And today, the neighbor we're chatting with is Major Biggers. He's here with the Salvation Army. Major Biggers, thanks so much for joining us. But thank you for having me again, Colby. I appreciate it. Man, I, I love your heart, and I love your continuous efforts with the Salvation Army, Major Biggers. So just to kick us off, give me a rundown on what all the Salvation Army is and what you guys do. Well, we are a faith-based organization meeting human needs in Jesus' name without discrimination. That uh, could be from uh, providing uh, hot nourishing meals uh, to the whosoever, providing shelter uh, for the homeless, families, individuals, uh, providing other basic uh, emergency needs, disaster work, uh, response recovery, um, youth activities, adult activities, uh, character building programs. Um, It's just a myriad of a number of services that uh, we provide throughout uh, Northeast Florida and Jacksonville because of the generosity of uh, the community. You guys cover a lot of things. So first, Major Biggers, tell me a little bit about the hot meals that the Salvation Army is able to give out. Yeah, well, we serve uh, every every evening, uh, I think 6 o'clock, Monday through Sunday, 365 days a year. We have community uh, feeding that we do, a hot meal at 900 West Adams Street. And, um, you know, we, we were averaging 60, 70 at one time uh, per evening. And um, so um, we want to make sure that uh, there's no one in Jacksonville that, that goes hungry. And so we're grateful for the resources that we have to, uh, to make that possible, that need possible, and also for the volunteers that comes down and helps us serve uh, those uh, individuals, men, women, children as well. And now tell me about your available shelters. Yeah, we have uh, housing for uh, men, uh, single men, and uh, we also have housing for women uh, with children and families with children as well. And uh, right now I think we're at capacity uh, with uh, all of our beds full, and we provide those individuals with casework. Uh, we have we assign um, those individuals with a caseworker that uh, works with them to um, get together a plan to help them uh, become uh, self-sufficient and be able to move out and become uh, uh, tax-paying citizens and uh, able to uh, provide for themselves. And so uh, we're really uh, pleased with uh, the work that our caseworkers do and our staff down at the uh, Tower Center of Hope to make that possible. I think uh, just uh, last report I had, we had five individuals that moved out um, to to their own housing uh, from uh, um, staying with us and going through the process and working out a plan uh, to become self-sufficient. So, you know, we we are trying to do everything we can to, uh, you know, uh, help people become self-sufficient, taxpaying citizens back to the community and able to provide for their own needs. And so that's what we're all about. Yeah, it sounds like it's a lot more than just a shelter. Like you said, it's kind of helping them get a leg up and moving forward. And then tell me about the disaster work preparedness you guys do. Yeah, well, we have, uh, we're blessed to have a feeding, uh, what we call a mobile canteen. It's basically a feeding truck equipped with uh, uh, the furnishings to provide approximately 1,000 meals a day um, from uh, the canteen to those who've been impacted by disasters such as hurricanes, uh, floods, tornadoes, or whatever. And um, we were on call on standby from uh, Hurricane Ida, and we were looking at being the second uh, deployment. But uh, 
evidently they didn't need us to, to respond, but we had already made plans and had personnel and the uh, supplies ready to go with our mobile canteen to Louisiana. So we're, we're on call 365 days a year to respond to any natural, national or local disaster uh, where we're needed. In Major Biggers, you and I are able to kind of catch back up throughout the year, but this is important because y'all are about to celebrate your 130th anniversary. Yes. Yeah, we're really excited uh, with uh, 130 years in uh, Jacksonville. And so um, we're having our um, territorial band and songsters that are coming from all over the southeastern United States, Salvation Army musicians that are top of the top uh, performers and uh, musicians, vocalists that will be blessing us with their ministry um, in October, October the 14th through uh, the 16th of um, the month and they're going to be performing in, um, in uh, Jacksonville and in Pontra Vedra and um, so we're really excited to have them here and uh, like I said they perform all over the world this is going to be their really first uh, uh, performance since uh, COVID struck um, and so uh, we're blessed to, to have them uh, since COVID hit last year to come to Jacksonville and uh, help us celebrate our 130th anniversary this year. And how else are you guys going to be celebrating? Well, we're also having um, uh, a fundraiser, um, Spuds and Sprockets bike ride on that Saturday, the uh, 16th of um, October at the uh, Salvation Army Camp Keystone in Keystone Heights. We're going to be leaving from our Salvation Army uh, camp. And they're going to be doing up to a metric uh, century ride. I think uh, the minimum is a 20-mile. And basically riding on the Lake Butler to Palatka Trail that's uh, there um, beginning right out from from our camp uh, on Highway 100. And uh, I think $100 is the uh, cost for registration. And it also includes... uh, 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 baked potato and barbecue uh, mm. lunch uh, as well is included in the uh, along with awards and prizes uh, for those who um, sign up and participate so this is our first uh, bicycle uh, ride spuds and sprockets and so we're really excited about that and we're also going to be uh, doing some special things with our kettle red kettle program this year uh, to uh bring uh, light to uh, the Salvation Army 130th anniversary, but it's also 130th year of the Salvation Army Cattle Program mm. that was launched in California, and so uh, 1891. So we're, we're fortunate that uh, the same year that that be- really began in, in California, the Salvation Army's work was beginning here in uh, Florida, the state of Florida, here in Jackson. And what is the Christmas kettle? For those of us that don't know, well, the the red kettle, uh, Christmas kettle, is out in front of grocery stores, shopping stores, different locations throughout the Northeast Florida, and all the proceeds that are collected in the red kettles uh, come stays in uh, Northeast Florida, and enables us not only to make sure all the needs are met during the Christmas season, but also mm-hmm. is our major fundraiser. Uh, for our services throughout the year enables us to do the most good to the most people and the most need throughout the year. And so last year we were very richly blessed uh, by an outpouring of generosity from donors uh, to the Red Kettle Program. And we we were praying that we have that same outpouring this year, but we need volunteers always, not only with that, but also with our uh, uh, Angel Tree Program as well that will be having uh, opportunities for business, businesses, corporations, and individuals to adopt the angels. These are boys and girls that are placed on our angel tree program that are being signed up, I think, in the next week or so um, that will be uh, screened and determined that they're in need, the families are in need, and then those children will be placed on the angel tree program. And the week before Christmas, the families, uh, the parents comes and picks up the um, gifts specifically purchased for their children and uh, given to them so that those children have a a great Christmas. Mm -hmm. And there's a great outpouring of public support uh, for this program uh, uh, here in Northeast Florida. So uh, we're we're counting on that again this year, and we're very grateful for all the tremendous support that we receive. You need both funding and volunteers for those. And now, is there anything happening in November that we have to look forward to? 
Well, yes, in November we will be giving out approximately a thousand uh, Thanksgiving ba- uh, baskets, food baskets to uh, those that uh, are, have applied for assistance, and um, with turkeys uh, provided and other staples for make a great uh, Thanksgiving meal and even afterwards. And so we can always use volunteers. They always can go on the Salvation Army website, Salvation Army. Uh, N-E-L-F-L.org, Salvation Army, N-E-L-F-L for NortheastFlorida.org to see about opportunities for volunteering. And um, we we do uh, approximately 300 food, uh, food boxes a week that we give out through our food pantry, Monday through Fridays. We also always can use help to help with mm-hmm. that as well. Um, so it's not just during Thanksgiving that we serve uh, Food, give out food boxes, but throughout the, the year we're um, giving out food through our uh, food pantry located at 900 West Adams Street here in Jack. Yeah, and you're always in need of volunteers, boots on the ground, and funding. And I want to transition a little bit here, Major Biggers. So the Salvation Army is celebrating its 130th anniversary. So what kind of change have you seen throughout the Salvation Army? Well, the great thing about the Salvation Army is that uh, we're really flexible, that we bend to the needs that, that we encompass and that are presented before us, such as um, with the COVID, um, when the COVID struck, um, we provided meals to the uh, the first responders that were out uh, giving the um, taking the test out at a Walmart. We were there for almost two weeks uh, providing meals from our uh, mobile disaster canteen we opened up our one of our buildings that were vacated for uh, those homeless chronic homeless people uh, men and women that were in need of sheltering to get them uh, away from uh, other opportunities of being um, you know infected with the covid uh, and so we had approximately 75 uh, stay at our uh, shelter the Salvation Army Shelter downtown at 15 East Church Street, and we're working in partnership with the Mayor's Task Force on Homelessness. And we've uh, also just opened it back up again this week. Um, again, that facility for those um, that are uh, uh, have issues with the with COVID, uh, the chronic homeless uh, in, individuals, men and women. So I, I think that we we sort of uh, are very flexible and uh, and able to. Um, adjust and and meet the needs as they are presented to us and go out of the box to do whatever we can to make all sure all needs are met uh, in uh, Jacksonville and all the communities that we serve throughout Northeast Florida. Do you think that's a big attribute to why y'all have been able to be so successful and be around for so long? Definitely. I think, um, I think the public appreciates the, you know, uh, us being able to, uh, uh, turn on a dime sometimes to uh, make things happen to meet the, the the needs that are presented at a specific time um, and that uh, we we adjust and, and go forward uh, sometimes without even knowing of the resources that will be available and trusting God that uh, the resources will come and be available to 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 make those uh, needs possible to be met. Mm, and major big areas, as y'all are trusting God, what do you hope to accomplish with the Salvation Army for the next thirty years? Or uh, pardon, a hundred and thirty years. <laughs> next hundred thirty years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we're we're looking at uh, how we can uh, be more efficient and effective mm-hmm. every day uh, with our services, with our resources. Um, we're looking at. Uh, how we can maybe uh, right-size our uh, services that we're providing and to, to maybe meet the needs that are more pressing. Um, and so we've had a mission planning study that was done two years ago to bring out some of these things that we need to, our board to look at and consider. And uh, so uh, we've already taken some steps in doing that and we'll uh, continue to focus on uh, making sure that we're at the forefront mm-hmm. and also I think um, networking and mm-hmm. for, uh, collaboration with our other uh, partner agencies that are also you know it takes a village uh, as they say and uh, there's certainly enough need to go around and so we we do as much networking collaboration as we can to make sure all the needs are met in uh, Jacksonville Northeast Florida knowing that uh, 
there's no way we could do it on our own strength and own resources. I mean, you just said it, it takes a village. So Major Biggers, what do you need from your neighbors and from your community? Well, I, we need prayer. We mm-hmm. need uh, boots on the ground, as you said, volunteers. We need uh, the resources. Um, again, uh, we're looking at probably increased needs for this Christmas season. As mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this COVID has not gone away. It's only reared a ugly head again in a, a more probably impactful way, a variant. Uh, so uh, we, we are really gearing up for uh, an increased need this holiday season with Thanksgiving, the baskets in need and with angel trees um, with the children that will be in need from the family. So we really need bell ringers. Uh, we need volunteers to help us uh, throughout the year uh, as well. But uh, this is our biggest uh, need of the year, biggest fundraiser of the year. And the uh, we need the community, as they have done in the past, to, to step up and uh, adopt these angels make sure that no child uh, goes without on christmas day as well that that's what we're here for um and as we close out give me a brief rundown and reminder of how you're celebrating the 130th anniversary the weekend of october 14th so we're having our outstanding 60 piece uh, uh, band and songsters all over salvationists uh, members from all over the southeastern united states are coming to be here for the weekend providing free concerts um uh, throughout the weekend at the um, the Tower Center of Hope, at uh, uh, Christ Church in Pontra Vedra, at the First United Methodist Church in downtown, downtown uh, historical district. And so uh, these uh, uh, concerts are available to anyone that uh, can come out and, and enjoy some uh, excellent music. And then anybody that wants to participate in the bike ride, they can also go on the website and see about uh, the Spuds and Sprocket bike ride on Saturday and participate in that as well. Okay, well, Major Biggers, thank you so much for everything you do, 130 years of it with the Salvation Army, and thanks for being such a great neighbor in our neighborhood. Thank you, Colby. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week, and if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio.